Welcome to the New Era Property and Business Podcast. I'm Rick Gannon and I'm a property investor, trainer and mentor and best-selling author. If you are interested in any of our property mentoring services, then please contact me via my website, which is www.neweraPropertySolutions.co.uk. And please don't forget to take a look at my five times best-selling book, House Arrest. House Arrest is a manual for new property investors which shows you how you can replace your income by investing in property. That's available on Kindle, it's available on paperback and it's also available on the Audible store. Hi everyone and welcome back to this week's podcast and today we are joined with a fantastic inspirational guest. Uh, This person um, has been a very good friend of mine for quite some years now after meeting at my daughter's playground. That's that's another story. Uh, We were allowed to be there by the way um, because our daughters did go to school. We weren't just hanging around school playgrounds And, um, and this person's gone on then to do some absolutely fantastic uh, things in his life in order to to help him and his family. So, without further ado, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rick. Really appreciate it. So, I haven't really formally introduced you, uh, <laughs> Michael Calisperis. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Welcome. Uh, fantastic. So, Mike, thanks for joining us today. And what we want to do is just have uh, I don't know an informal chat about your journey, where cool. you came from. Um, a little bit about your background, because I know you've not always been in property. So no. that's a perfect place to start. So tell us about your background and your life before property investing. Okay, so for me, I've always been in design, marketing and multimedia, basically. Um, and I, I've i studied in that my whole life. I used to work at the BBC in London, um, uh, you know, working on websites, uh, well, for the factory and learning department working on websites ranging from Top Gear to Teletubbies. It was really random. So many, many different areas there. But I got headhunted from university when we did a, a show in London. Um, so I went straight to the BBC. But yeah, that's uh, that's where... that's where. So how long did you do that for? Uh, well, in multimedia, it's mm. been 20-odd years. But at the BBC, I was a good... Uh, it was only about four years, I think it was. But I, I kind of loved London, but I, I should have stayed. Everyone thought I was mad. But I just wanted to, I just was yearning to get back to the sticks, you know, not entirely the, you know, countryside, but I kind of, that was where, that's where my heart is a bit. I just thought. And was this prior to kids? Prior to kids, yeah. Well, actually, that, that's the point. I was at the stage when I actually, I did want to settle down. I wanted to find someone. And in London, um, I just never felt that that was going to happen. For some reason, I just didn't, I never did find someone in London. But for me, I wanted to sort of settle down and, and I knew that's kind of what I am. I really rinsed my um, my my youth, uh, getting drunk at university and having a lot of fun. And I was at the stage where I really just wanted to sit down, get home, and be with someone I love, and and move forward, basically, and have beautiful kids. Okay. So, yeah. So, how did you get into property? I mean, where did the transition come? Yeah, it's a bit random. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, there was a bit of a life shock um, event to to our family. Um, you know, it was. Um, it was basically my, my son was my son was born healthy, um, came home with us, and unfortunately a mistake was made that left my son blind, deaf with spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. So he's very trapped now, and 
Um, even this morning, I had a radio show talking about it today uh, with the BBC uh, about the consequences of that and 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 how it how how that can impact on a family. And and one of the biggest impact was me physically working because, as you know, Rick, with your own situation with Ben. Um, it's they're amazing children and Ben's fantastic but there is a lot of energy that we have to put in ourselves especially in the early years um, that can really you know challenge you when you've only got a certain amount of time only a certain amount of sleep if you're not sleeping and even to this day we're getting three four hours sleep if we're lucky Um, so I had to look at something different and the only thing that kept on repeating in my head when I was stuck in hospital for many months with my son um, was it kept coming back down to laptop lifestyle and property. Laptop lifestyle, property. Now, the laptop one, I could do marketing and design, but still you needed energy and all this kind of stuff, which is still, I can do that, but as long as it's not just that. Um, but property was the one that really sort of like echoed the most in my head. You know, just whenever I, you know, whenever I was like, sort of like looking at it, it just kept on repeating itself in my mind. i got to go into that. But I just delayed it. I just kept on delaying it. I just fear more than anything, probably. Um, not knowing where to begin, that kind of thing. So I delayed it too long, really. But I eventually so took Mike, When you say that, you know, you had laptop lifestyle, property, what did you have in your head that property actually meant? What did it look like? Yeah, for, for me, obviously, if you physically can't... Because I had Arctic Signs... Um, that I had to run, which is a sign company, um, which meant manning machines and print machines and, and laser machines and stuff like that. So you're in the business. And I was always, I always, I partly still am, uh, a control freak in the sense that I like to know everything and know how it works and all this kind of thing. So employing people to get to do that would never really, you know, came about because I was just, I have to do it. No one could do it better than me and all that kind of thing, which is, it's, it's, it's not a good place to be. Also, I didn't want people, because I was running that from my home, I didn't want people to be in my home when I'm sporadically going to hospital. So I had to work off my schedule and having people in that wouldn't really work. Property came in where, you know, um, actually where we met, we spoke in the in the, uh, in the the uh, playground whilst we played, played a bit of hot Well, hopscotch. you played hopscotch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually using the skipping rope. <laughs> yeah, but I won. <laughs> um, I'll, let, I'll let you in. <laughs> but the reality is that that's where it kind of like, it re relit what my what I kind of like was thinking back at the time in in hospital. I just so let's just yeah. explain to the listeners that um, my daughter Charlotte used to go to school with Michael's daughter, and they um, we were I think I would we were both waiting for the kids to, to come yeah. out, and we always used to have a bit of a chat, didn't we, in the yeah. playground, and we just got talking about what I did, um, and we at the time I think we were um, we just knocked down a property and we were rebuilding it from That's the ground it, upwards yeah. and that was quite local to the school and I think we got talking about that a little bit didn't we and That's we said, right, well, yeah. how did you learn all of that and I said well yeah this is what we do we are yeah, full-time yeah. professional property investors and you said okay I'm quite interested in doing something like that myself you know yeah. how how can you help us and you came on one of our HMO discovery days to begin with didn't you yes yeah, and yeah. it all kind of went from there didn't it yeah yeah it was it was really um yeah the discovery day you invited me to the discovery day and you know I really thought that was really kind of you um and i met um alex siri as well yeah, yeah. there um uh i i i it just i just realized then that actually you know there's one thing where you like without being rude you got yourself rick and you're very accomplished and you've done a lot in your life and 
you know that you a little bit uh, too much perhaps. Yeah, you know, you've done a lot in your life but uh, but when when you see people that have taken leaps like Alex have as well it gave me a bit of faith as well so it's not just one off person doing it there's a couple of other people doing it and 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 so I kind of went down that route um carried on with my education in property as you know came on a couple of your things as well um and I I found it really 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 intriguing um but I was so burning inside to take action so you know, you know, they say you've got to have a good reason why, and it's so true. I mean, it really is. I think know. that you were probably the only student that we've had on, on one of our courses that literally within about four weeks, you'd, you'd signed and almost completed on your first deal, which was your <laughs> student HMO that we were talking about <laughs> right, in the yeah. office earlier. So, yeah. okay, so take us from that point then. So you, you're really keen, you, you wanted to take action, you've got a massive reason why, uh, because of your son and your family situation. How did you then go and find your deal? What did it look like? Yeah, I mean, obviously we go through the processes of what we learn and so on. Um, but for me, it was it was more the fact that I was I, I, we, we, I had to sell my home. Um, I was selling my home, going into an adapted home for my son. And the proceeds that I had left from selling my home, I thought to myself, it can either sit in a bank and do nothing and actually depreciate really with inflation and so on. Or we can invest with it wisely. Now, the first thing I had to do with the first HMO was purchase something local to me because that would make me more goodable later on whilst I grow my portfolio. So uh, obviously, if I'm out of work because of the situation with my son, it was really important. I remember having a discussion with you about that as well. And um, although I felt at the time I'm probably, I got a good discount and it was refurbed for me and, um, and so on. But at the time I felt, oh, I know I can get it cheaper than this. And as you know, I've done a deal which is a way cheaper than this one, but still a great deal. This one it still stacks up. Um, uh, but I knew I needed to get one. And I know they don't come like they don't. You know what? There are, we say to everybody, a deal is what you make it. Yes. You yeah. know, and we do have, um, you know, the way we you know, sort of teach things, we do have a level um, and we do set our own rules of investment. But, you know, what works for me might not work for you and vice mm. versa, because every deal is different. Yeah. And I know that your motivation at that point was slightly different because Definitely. you needed to have a mortgage mm-hmm. um, because you just sold your residential property. Um, you know, and you're uh, and you needed an income. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we do have I know where you bought this property. You know, these our properties where we are have got article four. Um, we've got additional licensing, you know, we pretty much got everything that they could throw at us. Yeah. So to get a deal in our area yeah. is pretty good going exactly. anyway yeah, because yeah. of all of that. So, you know, the deal that you did, you know, you got it and it served a purpose for you Absolutely. at the time and still does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I still got it reduced and everything. And I, I, I you know, kind of like I got them to do do it up before purchasing it and so on and even getting the tenants in through the university as a contract. So it was all set up for me really um but it took a bit of negotiation to get that in so you know where where i know i could have got even less doing it the the usual way so how did you find it mike yeah well this was like this is actually through relations through through um the actual estate agents so there was a particular person that i knew within an estate agent can you get good deals from estate agents oh yeah absolutely yeah definitely you can can't you? definitely and they, they, they're just they're just as keen as us of course they are yeah. and if you get you know i mean i know that about not long ago um maybe a year ago now 
we were approached directly by an agent, and that happens quite a lot to us here. And and they asked us if we wanted to take over a property on a lease option. Yeah, they asked us. <laughs> I'm like, well, we'll have a look. You know, yeah. I'm not yeah. really not really looking for deals right now. But yeah. and it turns out it's an absolutely fantastic property, mortgage free. Um, so the owner didn't need to um, sell it. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. So deals with agents. Yeah, absolutely. Cost That's it. And it, as you know, I mean. The, the you know the price of the property might even be market value on certain deals, but actually it's what you see and how far they can go and what you can get out of it. So you know, a property might be a market value bricks and mortar, but what you can create out of that is what's important. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's where you the know, game. And comes. if you can add value to it, yeah. and maybe you can refinance a bit of that cash back out of the exactly. other side. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So um, what was it? Can you tell us what the deal was? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a five bedroom HMO. Um, was it already five beds when you took it, it over? It was five bedroom yeah. already. It was already established with the university but the gentleman that was selling it was just doing a refurb on it um well he was doing a little bit of a refurb we pushed for a bit more of a refurb if that makes sense so we've got kitchens in stuff like that uh the flooring uh, done so we got more than we wanted to and it, they, they were going to put it on the market for i think it was for 260 from memory we got it purchased at 240 so still got a discount and the, with a bit of a refurb the, that would have account for something michael you'll die if i tell you how much i paid for my last house <laughs> it was about four roads from yours. Yeah, go on. I'm then. not going to tell you. No, because no, I don't want to make I don't uh, make you cry. No, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Six bedrooms, front garden, mid terrace, two hundred and sixteen. That's brilliant. It's a good price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Very good price. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, for me, you, I can see it here. No, no, not at all. It still stacks up. That's the thing. This is the reality of it, though. It's like the one I've got, which is seven bedrooms. And, um, that's uh, we bought for one eight five. It swings oh, around about. Fantastic. I know. No, I know. I'm gonna cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it just depends, doesn't it? You some some will be a little bit higher, some will be a little bit lower. Yeah. But this was this was this was perfect because of the mortgage situation. Okay, so five um, bedrooms. Yeah, and um, it was already refurbed or yeah, being yeah. refurbed. Yeah, for yeah, you. with furniture in as well. That's yeah. you know five six grand there. As was well. it occupied? Uh, no, not at the time. Mm-hmm. But they got that was the part of the deal as well. So they they got um, a a contract in place with the university to actually have that occupied. So yeah. So now that's a five bedroom HMO, fully occupied. Yeah. With students. Yes. And the local university are managing it on your behalf. On my behalf. Yeah. Are you happy with that deal? Yeah, I'm very happy with it. I'm, st- you know, I'm still getting over fifteen percent, which Fantastic. I can't. You know, yeah. now, I'm not going to ask you any numbers on that because it's very personal. Um, <laughs> but you know, was that a good a good start for you? As because you know, that yeah. was your very first HMO, coming from yeah. a background that knew nothing or very yeah. little about HMOs, yeah. and you had a little bit of property experience with commercial because I know that your family had mm. commercial property. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've taken a bit of education, you've gone out, you bought an HMO from an agent, it's tenanted. Does it work? Does the does the HMO strategy work, or is it all a big fable? Is it yeah, all a big myth? I think I think it does work absolutely. I think the the you've just got to be careful. I mean, like for me, I was being strategic. Uh, mine was to get a a an income coming through and to have a mortgage in place so I could grow my portfolio later on. So that was a strategic uh, purchase, but it was also. Um, one way it was all finished off. I didn't have to spend 20 grand on fixing it up. And these, that's where things can get confusing. You can find deals slightly cheaper here and there. But when you start looking at, the, the, you know, further down into the deal, you've got to spend 40K fixing it up or something. When you when you think when you add that in the in the mix, and then you've got to say, well, it might take two or three months. That's two three months less rent, um, and then a month or two after that, so you could you know to get it rented out. Uh, to me, to get it instantly with the tenants in place, with it yeah. refurbished, for me that made that deal even better. Um, the 
the reality with HMOs is that they 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 do swing in roundabouts, but it's still definitely um, worth going down that route. Yeah, um, they swing in roundabouts for for two reasons. You can never predict what's going to happen, and that's the thing. I mean, there are many things that can change, and the market's changing mm. constantly, as you know. You know what? I think with HMOs, it's I mean, it's fair to say that. Um, and I've mentioned this before, you know, we do live on an island. Uh, the population is ever increasing. We're not building any more land because we can't. Yeah. You know, unless we go and live in Mars and, you know, <laughs> go and live with Elon Musk for a few yeah, years. Yeah. Um, you know, HMOs are always going to be there. Now, legislation, yes, that changes. But, you know, survival of the fittest, like anything in life, you've got to adapt to survive. And, you know, I'm fundamental, you know, um, the, the, the HMO industry is, is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So you, you, you got that HMO. It's up and running now. And what did you do then? What was your next deal? My, my next deal was one that took absolute ages to come through. It took about a year. Um, I don't know. I, I can't even explain because I went through so many stages with it. Um, it didn't really come through. And in fact, um, I actually found three or four deals in that, in that period. And they all fell through. This is after solicitors' That's points. That's the harsh reality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Investing, yeah. you know, not every deal is going to get over yeah, the line. Yeah, and, and I, it I'm, might even cost you a bit of money as well. Absolutely, I had I I, re- I reached targets unimaginable, and I thought that was going to happen. It's going to go forward, and that was it. But the reality is. You know, all it takes is one or two to fall down, and that's 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 that. So I was looking at a bigger deal, and I came across a friend that's that the sourcing, and there's two properties, uh, commercial properties in Birmingham that we. Uh, I, I wasn't too sure because it was out of my area, but I also knew I needed to move forward. And for me, again, I kept on having that goal of my son, doing it for my son. And as you know, our local area it is uh, it is competitive, and at the time. You know, I um I, I just realised I needed to just sort of look a little bit further afield just to get that 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 level of income I needed to get out of what I what I wanted my whole goal was. So gone with this deal, had lots of issues with like contamination of the ground, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, Learned a lot in commercial uh, to residential conversions. Um, there's so, so what, much. What what was it before? Offices. It was offices. Okay. It's two, two, one big building and a smaller building. So you're doing a commercial to residential yeah. um, project. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's, yeah. Um, is that still going ahead now? Is it still, still going? Yeah, under yeah. Under construction. Yeah, there's been some delays. There's been delays with contamination. We we we're splitting it up into three um, apartment flat type units, um, and and yeah, it's it's been it's been a pain. I think the biggest problem. I think everyone says even when they have their own teams, it's managing the teams. And the deal that I had on this one specifically, because especially when my son was, um, he's been in, he's been a bit sort of not well at the time. I said the deal was I'll go with this as long as it's been managed, uh, you know, project managed, you know, and and I'll pop in here and there. The reality is you end up kind of managing the manager. Man- man- yeah, yeah, that's is that's exactly. They, they are really good in many ways, um, uh, you know, but unfortunately, it's been it has been it has been a pressure on me an eye opener an eye opener yeah absolutely all good for learning well is it going to make you money well in theory as you know on paper we put the numbers down that's what it is but I never count my chickens until they're fully hatched so we've done Rick Surveyor. Uh, Rick's Surveyor. Yeah, not mine. Not Rick's. Registered Institute of Chartered Surveyors. Yeah, Rick's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we've done surveys and stuff, and they've all said this, this, and this number. But the truth is, you know, there is an element of risk no matter what you do. Because, you know, I've heard so many times where you get a Rick Surveyor in, and then by the time you actually get it to, you know, the market, 
that a separate surveyor comes for the bank and they come in ridiculously low. So it really is anyone's guess. It can um, be very subjective. It can be very, very subjective. We can, we, can, we can only do what we can do. And that's what's a shame about the, the sort of industries. Like, you know, there are people that kind of like, um, you know, we can all do well, but we can all flop. It's, it's so, it's so life. It is life. It's so easy. And I think the, the reality came to me when I, I, I was obviously, obviously very scared moving forward with all this stuff because without fear, you can't really, you know, you've got to you know, actually take action when, uh, you know, because if you don't take action, you'd just be, you know, just be going around in circles. So I realised I just had to just face the fear and do it in a way. You've got to, you know, and if your thoughts and your actions are the same as yesterday's, you will never move forward. Yeah, that's exactly it. You've that's got to exactly. take, you know, a little bit of time to get rid of those. Yesterday was yesterday. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to get fluffy and woo woo <laughs> on this podcast, but it's absolutely real. You know, now is real. Yeah. You know, that, that sentence I've just said, that's gone, that's in the past. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is real, this is now. And if it's you don't, true. It is true. And if you don't adjust that mindset and if you don't start taking different actions absolutely. to yesterday, then you will never move that's forward. It. I mean, it's a, so, yeah. Mike, how many, so how many units of, a, of accommodation will you have then when all of your projects um, are complete? Units. Um, you know, and so in terms of... Um, the rooms. W- where you came from, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago when we met to where you are now, what does your portfolio look like? Yeah, it will be, at this stage, it will be around 27. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. So that's yeah. going to give you but I've held back. some income. Yeah, I've stopped. I I've know stopped. you've held back. Yeah, I've, st- yeah. I've stopped but I've stopped because I want to get things completed. Well, that's okay. Yeah, And I don't want to be, I don't want to be some big, you know, I really, it's not my thing. You know, it really isn't my thing. Mike's saying that, and he's, and he's sat here dressed in a sheepskin coat with loads of gold rings on, <laughs> and if, loads of medallions with, with a little pork pie yeah. hat. <laughs> That's not my style, but uh, yeah. It's not. I just, I just. Okay, so um, where now? I mean, what's what's next for you? Well, for me, my love, my, this for me, property's a vehicle. It's a vehicle for what we dis- discussed earlier, my son. But my my career, my whole life has been design and marketing, and you know it's been that that it's been sort of that's what I've been about. So you know when we when you look at things moving forward, as you both know, and you've got many many different industries you're in as you yourself, it's it's important to have a backup sort of income stream, but one that's a bit of a passion, I think. So for me, I'm I've I set set up Effusive Marketing, and I've got a little brand below that called Effusive Entrepreneur. Um, Effusive meaning sort of like expressing emotion in an unrestrained way and being sort of like grateful. Um, and, and I think it's like anyone that becomes part of the effusive marketing in that sort of group is people that are like-minded entrepreneurs that I think should be grateful for what they got. I'm grateful even though I'm severely disabled. Yes, I have ups and downs. I'm very open when uh, with my life. But I think... Like you said, you've got to move forward. And if we yesterday's yesterday, it's the same with our children. They're disabled, but if we didn't come out of that mindset, um, we would still be in it and not be moving forward for their be- for their benefit. Um, so for me, that's that's important to grow. That um, I want to set up once I'm a fully established and, and comfortable uh, a charity called My Little Spartans for children that are disabled. That's my end goal. Um, and and also obviously got my Facebook group Effusive Entrepreneur Circle um, and um, yeah I'm doing going to be doing um, sort of training live events for like marketing focus it a bit on property because that's a bit of my niche but it's general marketing really for everyone um, it, it's amazing how 
that can change. I mean, I change. I, I mean, some... marketing is a monster on itself, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. You know, it's a huge. I mean, everything we do is marketing. On a, yeah. You know, no matter what we do, every day we are marketing ourselves. You know, we start quite young. We don't really realise it. That when you're out and uh, you know you're in the nightclubs. I mean, I, I did go to nightclubs once upon a time. <laughs> um, and and you're looking for you know maybe a member of the opposite sex or you know yeah. looking for a partner. Um, uh, you know, and you're marketing yourself. That's aren't it. You? Yeah. That's exactly what you're doing. You that's, sort of, that's exactly it. And, and that doesn't change. It just gets harder. It as does. You get older. Yeah. Yeah, and so many things are changing at the minute, even in that market. We've had it in property, and you've got GDPR. So there's changes with like how, how you hold uh, data that works with marketing as well. And and for me, um, like I'm just sort of like focusing on sort of moving forward with that. I mean, like even recently, I did some work for a property, a quite big property guy, and his conversions have been really great within a day or two since I changed stuff on Facebook. So that that makes me proud. There's like three, four hundred percent, you know, difference within a day. It's been brilliant. So, so you're looking to grow your marketing business, yeah. keep your portfolio for residual uh, yeah, income? Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I say I want to grow, I don't, I don't, what I mean is I'm not actively looking. If at 40 years old, one comes up a year, you know, then great. But I'm not going to stretch myself. Uh, you know, if two come up, great. If a JV comes up, great. You know, I'm not going to hold myself back. But I'm not actively sort of like I haven't got that fire to keep on growing yeah I think know. I'll probably be the same when I reach 40 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why are you laughing you just can't stop <laughs> I can't stop <laughs> mate let's go back a little bit about the general perception of landlords yeah um, from the press from the public and sometimes I think that landlords get a bit of a bad rap you know we get comments like you know we're gobbling up the housing market or fat cat landlords and um, you know, and all sorts of uh, misconceived perceptions of what we actually do. And we know that that's not right. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a fair judgment? Absolutely not. And that's not me being, um, you know, biased. It's actual, it's actual fact. In fact, a lot of the properties that we come across are actually local authority run. And they're the ones where you actually look at and think, oh, my God, which landlord's running this? And shockingly, it's quite bad. Now, there are the odd handful of landlords that could have been started off as good landlords, but they got tired. Because if you imagine you've gone and spent a lot of money on fixing up a property and there's tenants in there and they're good tenants. And then here comes along a bad tenant, trashes the whole thing, costs you tens of thousands of pounds to put right. Then the same thing happens the, the next month or the next year. Then nobody, it nobody sees that. No one sees it, no. And it drags on for six, seven years. And these are losses that you yeah. can't... You, this is the reality. Really, the only gain that uh, many property people have, have had in the past for certain, which we don't have now, is the, the, the growth of the actual pro- property price. Mm-hmm. So the value of that going up. Well, but, certain areas still get a bit of growth. Yeah, 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 there is, yeah. But the reality is that um, there is a lot more there. And it, it, it's, it's a shame that we're getting scapegoated for... You know, a lot of these situations where I would say they need to look a bit at themselves and how they're running things um, mm. before they scapegoat. I mean, you know, I'm I don't know why the perception is, you know, because uh, we know, I mean, I've got a large portfolio and it's not easy no, to hard. make sure that number one, you know, and, and primarily the property is safe, yeah. um, it's lawful, it's safe, and we're providing nice accommodation for people to live. Got to keep on top of that. HMOs are 
hard to keep up with the maintenance because of the, the amount of traffic and the amount of people that are going through them. And um, sometimes tenants don't pay their rent. And, and this is the, the reality, you know, they're up to get my, my teeth back in, mm-hmm. the reality of it all. But nobody sees that. So if a tenant doesn't pay their rent, we can't just kick them out. That would be unlawful. There are procedures we have to go through in accordance to the Housing yeah, Act. absolutely. But it's okay for the tenant to sit there and not pay their rent when we've got a mortgage on the property, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I think it's very, very unfair that it is. we constantly get castigated and constantly the law seems to be on the tenant side. Absolutely. It, it seems to be a bit of a almost like the, the in thing lately in, mm. in, in government. You can see the Conservatives even sort of like jumping on the bandwagon a bit. It's a bit too easy at the minute. Because when, they can put they can put regulation on it, which means that they can charge for it. Yeah, they, they're going to they make, make money. Exactly. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, it's like the, it's like the right to rent. Basically, landlords are doing immigration checks. Because we don't have enough staff. You yeah. know, and UK border force is stretched. Yeah, yeah. To the max. But if you miss someone that's actually, they could have forged a, a, a passport and everything all looks good, everything at your end, you know, and you're not as skilled as some other landlords and they haven't checked it enough. I think uh, with that is um, that as long as you've done, you know, you've, you've followed the procedure, you've done all of your due diligence, yeah. you know, sometimes people get things wrong. Yes. And I think certainly with the Right to Rent Act, they have said, look, you know, on the first occasion, if it is a mistake, they're just yeah. going to give you a bit of a slap on the wrist. Yeah. If it's something that's obvious and coming from my ex police officer background, yeah. you know when someone's taking <laughs> the piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that they're doing it to evade some kind of law or legislation. That's yeah. quite obvious. Yeah. Those are the people that legislation like that has been brought in for, to stop the gang masters, to stop overcrowding, you know, to stop illegal immigrants from coming into the country. Um, if you just make a genuine mistake, I really don't think that the government are out there to make an example of you. Um, providing you've done all of the due diligence. So, yeah. you know, you mentioned about fake passports. You know what? Some fake passports, even the border control, don't know they're fake and there are people in yeah. and out of the country. So there is only so much you can do, provided you do, you know, as much as you can in terms of the due diligence. But I would never have believed, before that even came into play, they would bring that in on landlords, is my point. Mm. You would just you just say, nah, that one, that's not possible. Yeah. But there's been so many things they've brought in that pe- the general public do not realise that what we have to balance and, and, and get, get get done, you know, get... Great for right. us, though, because that will, you know, like every time they, the government bring in a new piece of legislation, it will push away the people that, oh, yeah. that don't want to yeah. or can't... Um, comply with it for whatever reason yeah. which means that the professional investors like yourself and me and you know everybody else that comes on the podcast have got more of a slice of the cake because we can go in and do it properly and I remember when the Right to Rent Act came in because we're paperless um, and everything we do is online all of our contracts are online etc and I was thinking oh my god how am I going to do that because we have to see the physically, the, physically yeah. see the document before we sign the agreements and we sign ours online. So how do we do it? But we, we found a way and now it's done at the viewing stage, you know, and it's all, all fits in nicely. But like anything, I suppose, you know, um, it's out of our comfort zone. We yeah. mentioned that earlier. Yeah, you know, yeah. things that are out of our comfort zone, we need to get into our stretch zone and work out ways around these issues. Yeah. Mike, a lot of people that um, listen to the podcast and many people that contact us through various uh, platforms and, um, and Facebook groups say, well, they want to start HMOs. They're really interested because of the cash flow. Um, and one of the biggest issues is money. They haven't got any money, so they, they can't start investing. The other issue is they, um, they don't have family support. But that's not my question. The other issue is they think it might be easier to get a bike to let property 
because they've heard that HMOs are really hard to run. What are your thoughts on that? On number three. Okay, on, on number three, they are a little, more, a little bit more intensive, but but only once you're doing the actual find, you know, I mean, and making sure you get everything in compliant. But the reality is, um, what's more risky going for a model that's going to actually give you hardly anything at the end of the month and where you have a void, you're actually paying out your pocket or going for a model that's going to work for you when there's one void, you still got enough to pay the mortgage. I think, I think me personally, it's important to go for the, the that that the, the latter um, because which is HMO, which is HMO co living, whatever you want to call it. The reality is that the you don't have to manage them. You can put people in to manage them. Um, there are there are many different services out there, so you don't have to have that. But you just got to pay for that service to be mm. done. Um, obviously, there's the other option for your like your brilliant uh, your brilliant software you got coming out soon, which does a lot for you. It's all encapsulated. Thank you for the plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go tenant. <laughs> it's it, I've seen it. I've I've just seen a, a beta version of it, and it's absolutely amazing. So I'm definitely plugging into that myself. Um, it's it's just you know people need an easier life and if anything that makes things a little bit easier um it's welcome so mm. you know once you've got something like that sort of system set up or you've got a decent um management company running the the, the truth is it's no different if they're, if they're decent yeah. or you've got a different system it's no different whatsoever and that's the point you make there decent it is all about the tenants that you choose to put in your property yeah. and i remember when i um, when i started investing in hmos i um i was ignorant and I had experience before of HMOs, um, which was always negative because they were LHA properties. They were um, they were charities that were housing people either had just been released from prison or they've got addictions, etc. And um, in my capacity as a police officer, I dealt with that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So when um, we decided to take HMOs on as a strategy, I was like, "Whoa, you know, I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to get involved in that?" And I'm, you know, um, and then how much, you know, it's going to be my job. Mm-hmm. Whereas as a police officer, I could leave and I could go home and finish. Um, but it is about that education side of things and opening your mind. So we did it, but we only use professional tenants. And because of our tenant screening process, and thank you, Mike's just given me a great plug for um, our new tenant platform, which is called GoTenant uh, and property management software. So, but because of those systems that we use, it's, um, it eliminates all of the, um, the chaff, all of the people that we wouldn't take before they even get to reviewing stage. So for us, when the tenants get in, they are going to be the best tenants. And, you know, we very rarely hear from our tenants um, every now and again, you know, something will happen, something we need to deal with. But it is all about getting it right from the beginning, isn't it? That's right. And and, and you're going to get those things in, in any sort of rental, whether it be commercial and it was a business running it. You know, there's, there'll be something. There's always going to be something. So, you know, you, I don't think you can run any business where there's not going to be some sort of contact back. Oh, by the way, the, the front door locks playing up or something, you know, the wear and tear happens. So as if you're going to have wear and tear, you're going to have the odd call back. And what about the tenants? Tenants? No, we've just been talking about mm-hmm. tenants. What about the investors entering into the market now and they've got the what if syndrome yeah. and, you know, they're saying, well, what if, um, what if my family don't support me? What if it goes wrong? What if no one takes me seriously? What if I can't find any deals? What if I can't find any money? What if it all goes wrong? What if the sky falls down? Yeah, well, I mean, I suffer from that massively at the beginning. And there is elements of it there still because, you know, still mid big projects and stuff like that. But the reality is, again, what we said earlier, you've got to sort of, look, it's not going to kill you. You've just got to crack on. 
and whatever you do, you just got to do the best you can do, and that's all you can do. You know, yes, people could throw stones from glass houses, you know, um, when when things go wrong on platforms or whatever, but the reality is they don't know the full ins and outs of certain sort of projects you might be doing and so on. All you've got to do is just do your best, get, get fully educated as best as you can, because it doesn't matter whether you're doing this business or if you set up a subway, for goodness sake, you know, you just don't know how it's going to fully work. You can do all the due diligence you can do, but the reality is you've got to make sure that you, you, you just, as, as best as you know, you're, you're in a, a safe zone. If things go wrong or things pop up, then that's what's going to happen. you just got to deal with it. Yeah. So the what ifs are just what ifs. And and if you keep thinking like that, you never get forward. And I still, to this day, you know, if I'm being totally humble and honest, I still get the off what, what, what ifs. I mean, I query whether the, the GDV, you know, Rick Surveyor's value coming in on the big project is going to be accurate. But, you know, this is a separate individual guy that knows the area come up with a value. Now, my gut always says, oh, it could go lower. That's my gut. But at the end of the day, you've got to let go and then accept someone who's in that profession for a living tells you something. Is it my own self-limiting beliefs in that element area? Or is it a matter of I might be right, but, you know, if, it, if I am right, then, you know, we'll have to just work with it at the time. Mm. But at the end of the day, I've done the best I can do. I've brought in professionals to do uh, to do the due diligence as well. And um, that's all you can do. And I you think that's it. If you say that shit happens, shit happens in any industry, yeah. Yeah. it's how you deal with it that defines you. It's how you, yeah. you put it right. Because, you know, things go wrong on yeah. a daily basis. Things that's go it. wrong in our business and everyone's business. We don't get things right 100% of the time. We're always learning. Yeah. And nobody's perfect. That's it. And, you know, every day is a school day. You know, we run a lot of courses. You know that. Um, and I always, or I mean, you think that you get to a point that you've heard every question, you've heard every answer, but that's not the case. I'm on every single workshop or course that we run, I come away with, wow, mm. you know, that, that, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I can implement that in my business. So, you know, we're not arrogant enough to say we know everything. We never do because every day is a skill day. And that is the great sign of a great teacher because they say at the end of the day, You've got to keep your mind open. The market changes, policies change, compliance change. Areas are different, you yeah. know, as you know. Our policy here with the with the uh, the, the, the compliance in, in in Worcester might be different to. They are different in other areas of. It's very strange market because mm. there's so many different uh, opinions. Where someone might be, I don't know, individually room taxing per room, which is just madness. Um, in one area, they're not doing it. In other areas, yeah. it's just, you know... I mean, there's, it's a great point, actually. I know you mentioned that. I mean, Mike's just um, mentioned the individual taxing of rooms. Um, in certain places around the country, namely mm, Reading, um, they've decided to individually band um, rooms in HMOs for band A council tax. Sometimes it's if they've got ensuite rooms and, you know, sometimes they're just banding them anyway. Um, so, you know, um, I think eventually that's going to end up in a test case somewhere. Um, we need some kind of case law, really, to, to, get, to, to get that ironed out. So, you know, certainly at the moment in Worcester, we can put HMOs on suites. We don't have an issue with single banding um, because for us, we have to have a complete living space for it to be singly banded. They have to be able to cook, wash use the toilet which makes sleep sense. and relax yeah absolutely yeah. but, but um, they're getting greedy that's the problem it's money isn't it's it it's money, about the money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's scary about it is actually what they don't realise the damage that they're doing with this you know people are worried about certain policy uh, changes like with section 24 people you know the, uh, the interest relief and so on um, but actually I truly believe they're not seeing the bigger picture of 
council tax per room. Can you imagine if you said to someone who's got a normal house and they're paying £120 a month, that for every room in their property, they've got to pay £120, you know, for that every room. They might have five, six, seven bedrooms, whatever it is. Mm. That, that, it just does not work. So what happens to the market? Yeah. Actually, what happens, either the rents have to go up, then the tenants are going to have to pay more, which we as landlords don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But then then we get pushed as though we're being like, you know, ruthless landlords being greedy, blah, blah, blah. We're we're only going with the market and what it costs us. And if you actually, when you look at what we pay out and what we do and the finish that we put on our projects, on our properties and so on, and, and the compliance we have to go through for legislation, actually, the profit's not amazing. It's more, it's more the actual compound effect that, that works um, in in this this strategy, um, and obviously you can get some really great uh, returns. I think my profits are pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yours are brilliant. Yeah, because you're past the like triple digit mark <laughs> on units. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, the reality is that um, you know what people's perception are. They will just see the value it's been rented at the room, and they'll times that by blah 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 a year. And so the external person will just see that. They won't see the running costs, the yeah. compliance costs. You know, all that kind of like, that's where it gets taken back, you, you know. So that's the reality. But when you get these, um, you get these uh, people in, in authority, I won't even label different people, they are looking at it like that. And there are uh, people, are, you know, that are not involved in property. They're, they're looking like that as well, because they might go in a HMO and say, oh my God, I'm paying £110 a, a room a week. But the reality is that actually that that is just about covering what we need to get a profit to make it even worth it. Yeah, I mean, there are there are a huge amounts of cost involved in running HMOs. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, we've got mortgage or we've got rent to pay if it's on the guaranteed rent scheme. We've got council tax if it's not student houses. Compliances. We've got all the compliances. Suck up admin. Alarms. You know, I, I posted on uh, Facebook yesterday, I've got six... HMO license renewals this year yeah. at seven hundred pounds each. You yeah, know? Yeah. that's a huge amount of money. Yeah, um, a- you know, it's a business cost. Yes, I get that, but it's still quite a lot of money um, when the properties are. Yeah. you know, they're, they're if you've got the, the odd void and so on, it all it's all yeah. compounds. Yeah. Okay, so um, in terms of education and stuff and books, so let's talk about books. Mm-hmm. Um, do you read a lot of books? I do. Yeah, yeah. When I can, I've gone more into the audio because, quite frankly, I'm so run off my feet. I'm going into audio, but my brain does switch off a bit with audio after a while. It does, doesn't it? And I find yeah. that it makes me fall asleep. Yeah, it does with me. But I quite like that because I think sometimes I think to myself, I'm going to wake up a genius or something. <laughs> you know, I just like, you know, I'm like, yeah. So you're going to get all these subliminal Yeah, messages. yeah, yeah. I'm going to start being some So what was the last book you read, Mike? Uh, the last book was actually Rob Moore's Money Book. Okay. Um, I thought it was a fantastic book. Did you listen uh, to that or did you read it? No, I read it. Read yeah. it. I think it's really good. I, I've got the audio as well um, and I haven't listened to it. And before that, it was actually... Um, I went back on Simon Zucci's book as well, um, which is um, the Property Magic. And actually, no, the quick, the earliest one was your one because you just released it. So I've just seen that was um, the House Arrest. So you've had three in the last three, three. Month or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do love books now. I actually being dyslexic and my whole life sort of like not being in the greatest sets at the school. I was totally not. I would never read books. Um, since going on my journey. I've escaped and even written my own book, My Little Spartan. And it's and cool. when's that going to be released? Well, that was supposed to be released uh, a good few months back. Uh, we've put it on hold because actually my daughter and my wife want to add a little piece in there. And it's actually amazing to see my daughter, you know, writing a little nice personal touch. note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we, we, I thought, you know what, she went through a, a bit of her own depression and had to have a blade therapist with, you know, seeing her 
brother, her, her sibling, um, you know, be affected so badly to still see him as he is now. And so she's got a voice. And I thought, you know what? Yes. You know, with yeah. books, I think um, I've been through it. Um, you just got to get it out there. Yeah, yeah. Because you keep thinking about it. You keep thinking yeah. you need to change this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you read it and you think, oh, it doesn't sound right. And, you need, yeah. and it goes on for years yeah, sometimes. Yeah, 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 that's true. So I think you've got to get to a point where you say, you know what, it is what it is now. Yeah. Whether you think it's perfect or not. And you've just got to get it Well, out. that's it. I'm letting them just do their little bit. I'm going to put a deadline on it and that's it. It's going to go out there. It's It's gotten it's gotten massive. It's like, you know, it, it's gotten quite big. But I mean, it's surprising I haven't even managed it because we're three, four hours sleep at night and running bloody you know all these properties and marketing stuff and you know it's quite amazing what you can achieve um, absolutely we've yeah. all got the same amount of time in the day isn't it yeah that's how you spend it yeah mike it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you today likewise um you know last question very yeah. quickly cat or dog oh dog definitely for me dog yeah why oh, i just think they're just cute man and they're just like they're like a man's best friend and but I've been you. You put me in pressure point there because you, I don't know if you saw my things around Christmas. Like all the kids are pushing me for a dog. I'm like, look, we can't and even. You bought them a, a stuffed one. No, I bought my stuffed one. <laughs> I, I tricked them, and then I trashed the house and said, look, this is what a dog would do to get because my wife was like siding on them. And I was like, well, look, we can't even look after ourselves. We barely get any sleep. How are we going to go on holiday? We're going to, you know, we've got a severely disabled son. You know, have a dog as well. You know, they are. I am getting a bit soft. You can get little, you know, little toy, I know, toy dogs. Don't, now, don't, don't, smaller than I know, rabbits. I know, and then there's a few people in the property circles uh, you know um, one is really big in service accommodation he's got like these really cute pugs and my kids he posted it and my kids are like oh yeah we want a pug yeah very uh, fashionable pugs yeah, aren't they yeah. they can't so breathe so you are definitely a dog man <laughs> I am definitely a dog man Michael yeah. it's been a pleasure I hope um, Thank you. people can resonate towards your story uh, if people do want to contact you Mike how can they get in touch with you yeah they can they can get uh, in touch with me I'm re- revamping my, my website View Green Homes um, or they can uh, go to my website Effusive Marketing that's EFF U-S-I-V-E marketing weird name but I kind of like the fact it's different um, and um, yeah message me there or, or actually the, probably the best bet for me, for me is um, on Facebook quite honestly I've got a lot of people there and what's your name on Facebook just it's Michael Calisperis Michael Calisperis yeah yeah yeah. There's a, I think there's only one other person in the UK with the same name which is my cousin yeah, it's a bit of a random name, but yeah. Fantastic. Thank Michael, you. thank you so much. You're Nick. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. If you are interested in any of our property mentoring services, then please contact me via my website, which is www.neweraPropertySolutions.co.uk. And please don't forget to take a look at my five times best-selling book, House Arrest. House Arrest is a manual for new property investors, which shows you how you can can replace your income by investing in property that's available on kindle it's available on paperback and it's also available on the audible store